Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to go back in time and knowing what we know now to make different choices than we did then? How many of you would like to be able to do that? Now, some of you think I'm up to something, and if, you're, if you hold on to that, you're going to miss the train here. If we could do that, we wouldn't need the forgiveness of God, would we? We would never have to admit we were wrong about anything. In fact, if we could do that, we wouldn't need Jesus as our Savior because we would be our own saviors. Now think with me on this. I'm not pulling some false doctrine on you. Though we all wish it were possible, realistically we know it can't be done. What's done is done. The past is as it stands, and the past will not change. Our mistakes, errors, and sins are heaped upon each other as an indictment declaring us guilty. The Apostle Paul summed it up in Romans 3.23 when he said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our only salvation is Jesus. He's the one that makes today and the days ahead and whatever time God has given us to live something worthwhile to look forward to. Jesus makes a difference. We all have sinned. Going further to the 7th and 8th chapter in the book of Romans, Paul sums up both the status of mankind before God and how he has provided for this problem to be resolved. The answer is one word, Jesus. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, Jesus is the answer to our past and the key to our future. Would you just do that? The answer to our past and the key to our future. Now, I didn't tell you to say anything else. We all know that, and we love you anyway. Let's turn to Romans 8 and look at the first verse in that chapter. Romans 8 1, it says, Therefore, there is now. Say that with me. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means the past as far as God is concerned, is over with. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. And I can look ahead from this moment on, or from whenever I made Jesus Christ my Savior, I can look forward to the future being with Jesus a victorious life, a victorious time. A time of overcoming. Now, we hear a lot at this time of the year people making new resolutions. They're going to change their lives. 
And before the day, that day is over with, they've broken most of those promises to, that they've made to themselves. But making a fresh start is different in God's eyes. With God's forgiveness and His precious blood, Jesus' precious blood, cleansing me of the sins of the past, there no longer is the voice of condemnation crying against me, guilty, failure, sinner. That may be in the memory. That may be somehow recorded in your picture of yourself that has not quite been wiped out. But because Jesus died for you, that guilt from the past is over with as far as God is concerned. We wrestle with things that have already been conquered. Failure. What may have been part of the past, God does not look on us with eyes that, that see failure. He looks on us with eyes of a father. He looks on us as a loving father who says, they're not quite there yet where I want them to be. But I'm going to fellowship with them. I'm going to walk with them. I'm going to know them and help them to get to know me and what they have in me. And like a child, like a baby, they've got to learn how to roll over first before they can sit up. And they've got to learn to sit up before they can crawl. And they've got to crawl before they can walk. And they've got to walk before they can run. And at each one of those stages, as they make the, they're making the effort to do better, I'm not going to look at them from God's perspective, I'm not going to look at them like they're, they're a failure because they stumble and fall. This is part of the process of learning to walk. And tripping and falling is not failure. It's part of the process of learning to walk and run. We are our own worst enemies because... We say to ourselves, you messed up. We say to ourselves, you're no good. You're a failure. God's not saying that. And what we need to understand is that we need to try to see ourselves through God's eyes. Think about it. How does God look at you? If you've received his son and been born again, God looks at you like he looks at his own son. These are my beloved. You are his beloved. You are his children, born of his spirit, washed in the precious blood of his own dear son. Do you think that there's anything that can change that perspective? No. There is absolutely nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. And you say, well, I might sin, I might fail. That's true, you might. But that doesn't change the fact that God still loves you. God's not naive, of course. 
But he as a loving father says, okay, come on, get up, get up, get up. And sometimes we say, oh, I want to lay here a while. Oh, I want to feel sorry for myself. It hurts. Will you kiss my bubble and make me well? Doesn't that sound like children? Little children. And yet, that is the way that many times we behave ourselves. And the Lord says, all right, come on. And he takes us by the hand. And when we come to our senses, we do get up. And he says, now walk with me. See those steps in the sand? That's where I've been walking. And I didn't sink there. And he has you walk with him for a little while. And then he picks you up. And he carries you when you get tired. And you look back and you see these footsteps. Two sets of footprints. And then all of a sudden, one. And you say to the Lord, Father, you left me there. He says, Oh, I carried you. Amen. You've probably seen that, that picture. <laughs> and that's so true. His greatest desire is to see you succeed. He takes no joy in leaving us in the places where we are weak, where we are having difficulty in overcoming, where we in our sinful life, in our sinner's life, would say we were a failure. He takes no joy in leaving us there. His joy is seeing us act out who he says we are. Think about it. This new year can make a great deal of difference in what you experience when you stop and measure yourself by what God says about you, not how you feel, your body's going to lie to you, your mind will, and your conscience will dredge up things from the past, and the devil will sort through all of that to find the real haymaker that he can hit you with. And sometimes you get knocked down, but don't lay there because... You're not out. And you keep getting up. I remember the story Dr. Courtney told us. Most of you don't know who Dr. Courtney was, but he was for many years vice president of the Foursquare organization and general supervisor. That means he was over all the pastors in the U.S. supervising the supervisors who supervised the churches. It means that he got to hear all the problems and the victories. And he told us one time a story of when he was a, a young boy and things were really rough. It was back during the Depression and the economy was really rough and there, his family was having a really hard time. And he sold newspapers in Santa Monica And during the time that he was selling newspapers on that corner in Santa Monica, 
It was the highest sales of newspapers of any corner in L.A. It was the most desired position to have. And boys of all sizes came and tried to drive him off because they wanted that corner. And he said, I got beat up a lot. And he said, uh, a lot of times I got knocked down, but he said, I kept getting up. And after a while, they got tired of beating me up and just left me alone. He said, I wouldn't give up that corner. What about you today? Have you found or do you have, envision that place that is worthwhile to fight for, that is worthwhile to take a stand? I want to encourage you this morning to recognize that what you have is more than you think it is. You have in you when you receive Jesus Christ, the one that the grave could not hold, the one who took in himself the penalty for the sins of all mankind. And it was so ugly. It was so terrible to look at that the Heavenly Father, who loved his Son more than we could ever understand, had to turn his face from him. And it was of such a nature that the first time and the only time in history a breach came between the Father and the Son. And in Jesus' own words, he stated it. He said, Father, why have you, for, why have you forsaken me? He was crying out as he suffered for you and for me. And he went through it all. And he rose again on the third day, declaring forever God's stamp of approval on all his claims and all he did to be sufficient to have paid whatever God required to be satisfied that our sins were paid for. That's not a small thing. And why I've gone to that length to explain that, it is that same spirit that you and I receive when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. There is no defeat in Jesus. There is no failure in Jesus. There is victory. In Him is the Spirit to overcome. And even overcoming the fall of my notes does not dispel my determination to finish this sermon. Making a fresh start begins with me understanding who I am in Jesus Christ. And maybe you don't understand it all, but you can accept by faith the fact that you are a new creature, you are born again born again you have in you the potential to be everything that God says you are and he says it by declaration by executive declaration and it's up to us
to live it. He has cut you a robe of righteousness that is up to you to put on. And some may dis, uh, disagree with me on that. They may want to say, you've already got it. It's been given to you. But sometimes we don't understand that. And we lose track of what it is that he's clothed us with. And it's up to us to keep it on. It's been measured to fit. And then, wonder of wonders is you find out you're not perfect. Now, some of you folks that have a marriage partner may look at the other one and say, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Anyway, when you, when you make that discovery, that's when you start discovering what the word grace is all about. You have to learn who you are by taking in the word like babies go after the milk. In 1 Peter, the second chapter and verse 2, it says, As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. We don't expect a little newborn to do much more than cry when it's hungry or when it needs a change. But let me tell you something. When you're 20 or 30 years old in the Lord, Crying for the bottle and needing a change is ridiculous. And in every church, in every church, there is a large number who have known the Lord for a long time but still want the bottle. Don't want to be told about responsibility. Don't want to be told about things that they need to grow into. And I can take this to ridiculous extremes. But sometimes when you sit by them, you know that they're still in their diapers because there's a stink. That woke up somebody. It's one thing being a newborn baby in Christ. But to stay in an eternal babyhood is another thing. And so the Lord begins to work with us. He, he helps us in so many different ways. Sometimes all that we need when we're not feeling good is just to have a good spiritual burp. And we, we, we just don't understand that at times. But in the hands of the Lord, as we just release ourselves to the Lord and trust Him, God begins to do the most wonderful things.
all of a sudden you become aware of the fact that you can do things, that you can stand on your own two feet, that you don't have to be treated like a baby anymore, that you can feed yourself. You pick up the Word and it begins to talk to you. And you begin to read things like, there's no more condemnation. And you begin to realize that in God's eyes, you're his own precious child. And he loves you beyond anything that you can conceive. And as a loving father will sometimes do, well, probably most of the times do, with the child as they're walking along, sometimes he'll carry you. But most times he'll encourage you as best he can to walk on your own because you need to learn that. And I remember in our own family when our first child was little and she was wanting to be able to walk, but she just had this difficulty in letting go of the hand. And she was able to walk, but she just couldn't let go of the hand. And I remember I was sitting in a chair and my wife was sitting on the couch and she was going from one to the other and you could just see it. She wanted to walk on her own and uh, I held out my hand and she reached for my hand and I pulled it back and she had let go of my wife's hand. And her eyes got big. She was standing without holding either hand. And then she went to <laughs> That confidence that came to her encouraged her to make those next moves and to accept the next responsibilities. And what I'm trying to say to you this morning is no matter where you're at, no matter what is in your mind that you want to, to grow into, God's right there and He's going to help you make it. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on God. But trust Him. And when you have to let go of all those securities and start doing it on your own two feet, don't be afraid. Don't hold back. Try running. You may not be able to go very far before you stumble, but get up. It's a new year. Every day is a new day, a new opportunity for you. Don't let life or people or things you hear or problems that have occurred, don't let any of this stuff say to you, you can't. Don't let anything say to you, you're no good or you're a failure. God's saying, you're my child and in you is the spirit to overcome, live up to your birthright. Live up to it. God's on your side and He's working on your behalf. Don't keep wearing your diapers. In Galatians, the sixth chapter and the seventh verse, it says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That shall he also reap. Your future is determined a lot by what you're planting right now. And what you're receiving right now, your past has had something to do with. You got that? What you want to receive tomorrow and the rest of your life is largely determined by what you're willing to put into it now and in the future. Are you planting the seeds of righteousness? Are you allowing the Word to take root? Are you drinking in the Word and letting God lead you to His banquet table where there's T-bone steak? If I talk about food much more, you're going to get up and walk out on me. But there's everything on His table. David talked about it, King David. He spreads before me a table in the presence of my enemies. I can't wait to get to heaven and see what the table looks like that he has for all of his people there. You'll be able to eat. You won't need to eat. You'll just be able to eat. How many of you like to eat? Would you wave at me? How many of you wish I'd quit so you could go eat? I'm sure that's true. If you don't like the way things have been going, let Jesus show you what to do to make a change. If you want to know what your future is going to be like, check out what the kind of seeds are that you're planting right now. And if you don't want to have the same in the future, let the Lord show you where the right seeds are. Let's bow in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, there's no God like our God, as the song says. Your love, your ways are past finding out, Lord. All that we can do is trust you. All that we can do to experience the, the future that you have for us, and you've said it clear. I know the plans that I have for you. I have plans for good for you and not evil. That's what you said, Lord. And there's some of us that wrestle with that because we don't know you that well. We've had our trust betrayed in the past. Help us, Lord, to get that in uh, the, those memories under control and not, not let them control us. Help us, I pray, Father God, this morning to set in place, to start planting, Lord, the seeds for the future that we really want to have. I ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. And church, while our heads are bowed, I want to just ask you for a moment to reflect on what I've said to you.
I'm 76 years old. I've been preaching for 50 some years, or over 53 years, but just about 54 years. I've never seen the Lord fail to fulfill His promise. He's never disappointed me. And I want to say to you this morning, if there are any here who are having problems with trusting, or you have not come to the point where you have trusted your soul into His care and received His Son as your Savior, you're missing what life is all about. Oh, there is such joy in serving the Lord. And he gives such peace. Nothing that I know of has given me the joy and pleasure that serving the Lord has given. And that's not because I'm a preacher. It's just because I'm a man like any other man. I am so glad, so glad that I made Jesus my Savior many years ago. I want to challenge all of you that are here today. To take a new perspective today. Not to make new vows that you're not going to keep but to put your trust in the Lord and let Him have your future. Let Him guide you in your decisions. Let Him become Lord. You do that by asking Him and then inviting Him into your heart and life and trusting Him the rest of your life. And there will be bumps and there will be challenges, but those are so you'll grow. I want to pray for all of you that raised your hand and for all the rest of us too. I want to offer a prayer, including myself in this. Lord Jesus, you've seen these hands that have been raised and you know our frame. You know us from beginning to end. I ask you, Lord, to step into each of these lives that have indicated a desire, that have indicated, Lord, they want to trust you. They want to gain victory over this, this place, get beyond this point that they've been stalemated in. I pray, Father, that you will speak peace into each of these hearts. I pray, Lord, that there will come a new assurance, a new confidence that will help them, Lord, when the next time comes and they're ability is challenged that they'll be able to just walk right past that that roadblock that hindrance and be able to trust you and look back and laugh at that thing and say what a foolish thing that was to let that little nonsensical thing block me thank you Lord for the strength that you give thank you for your faithfulness we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.